Hey guys, I'm here with Dan, and welcome to episode 3 of the Retro RGB Road Trip. Hey guys, I am here with Dan, aka Citrus 3000 PSI. Hey, how's it going? I could say that now without stumbling over my words. Cool. Been a while, but... Uh, we're Retro RGB Road Trip number three, I believe, and we are seeing the other side of your office and your lab here. Yep. And it's pretty crazy. Uh, I'm used to seeing you from this angle from your webcams, but um, you got a lot of crazy shit here. You got uh, the microscope. Yep. Uh, you have your exhaust thing so that uh, when you you know you're not breathing in all those cancer fumes when you're soldering. Yep. Um, I mean, how long did it take you to put all this stuff together? I mean, not too long, I guess. I mean, it's been a slow, a slow process, but I've, I mean, it started this five years ago, so it's all been from then. I, I mean, I love tools, so any reason to buy a tool is. I hear that. Is, Did you just start with a soldering iron then, and then like next thing you know, well, then I gotta get this, then I gotta get that, and pretty much, yeah. I mean, you upgrade, you have kind of the standard iron, then you upgrade, and then you upgrade, and then you know, yeah, you get how it is, I guess. Uh, I see you have the same Rigel DS1054 scope that uh, all of us have got, probably because it's just the most efficient to buy. You know, Affordable, you yeah. When you first buy it, I mean, you're just trying to check some signals and you're not trying to spend, you know, $2,000 to yeah. check a signal. Well, as long as you do the software upgrade, then... Yeah, it's, uh, it's been done. <laughs> yes, then you get full functionality out of it, so that's cool. Uh, what's the thing next to it? It's uh, just the DC power supply? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, there's two of them and just for... That way you could just supply whatever you're working on the correct exact power so you don't have to worry about it by using a bum power brick or something else. Going it's on. just convenient too. You can just, you know, power up a circuit without, you know... Without screwing around. Yeah. What do those go for? Um, 80 bucks. That is reasonable. I should have bought one a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's definitely more expensive ones, but, you know, like I, I guess this is still a hobby, so it's still kind of like a... You know, a budget, you know, I don't, yeah, can't justify spending two grand on a DC DC power <laughs> supply, right? For things that have a very wide tolerance, anyway, so it's no point. It's not like you're working on, you know, medical grade equipment that you need. Actually, even that power supplies are way more robust, anyway, but yeah. Um, so maybe this is a dumb question, but do you usually just set it at 12 volts then when you're working on consoles, or do you try with the exception of the ones like you know, the one Neo Geo that needs 5.5 volts or something? No, like I, most of the stuff it's usually like 3.3 or 5 because okay. you'll be I'll be testing in circuit, so I'll have a PCB not connected to anything and you'll power it up so you know you can do like you know JTAG programming or something you know like a lot of things right. to JTAG they say install in the console first mm -hmm. but you could power it up with that without installing it and you know and then and program it. it and get, do all your testing and gotcha that makes sense so it's usually for lower voltages mm -hmm. and uh, you have a very nice uh, hot air work rework station I have my ghetto ass uh, knockoff one that, <laughs> that works it works but that's about as far as I'll go um, does that one have any? I mean, it has two outputs, I think, right? No, um, one's a one, vacuum pump yeah, and one's yeah. a, a hot air station. Yep. So is that just the main feature of that? It's got the vacuum pump too. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any. There's no other attachments to it. It's just a straight, just hot air. Gotcha. I'm just like uh, I'm always looking for for tips on inexpensive ways to. I mean, the uh, I don't know how to pronounce that brand, but that's kind of the that brand is kind of the knockoff brand, but kind of the. That's the higher end knockoff. No, correct. It's not a weller, but it's, you know, the higher end, so... And you got your um, a toaster oven down there for uh, baking boards. Yep. Um, you just use the typical, like, 
do you do solder paste and wait for it to burn off? Do you uh, like how do you how do you set up the components on that? There's a well, I'll do like a stencil sometimes. That was a lot of the GC duels I ran with that board, the original original oh. ones. Mm -hmm. um, so do a solder paste, leaded paste, do a stencil, um, and then just drop them in there. And then there's a little controller right there that controls the temperature and. That's does, pretty awesome. Does the ramp up and monitors it. And Where'd you get the controller? Um, is that just like a hobby project so you could take any toaster oven and uh, yep. turn it in? That is killer. I want so, all these things. Yeah, and I put insulation around it to try and keep the heat in to try and get it to heat up faster. And mm -hmm. um, I want to say the, the controller was only like 30, 30 bucks. That's pretty awesome. So, so essentially, you could have a board baking station for a ten dollar. You know, junkyard. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think yeah. I spent max forty bucks on that whole setup total. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so. the type of stuff that I really want people to see more of because it's like a lot of people have to go and pay for some of that stuff to happen. So. Yeah, uh, and then you got the microscope over there, which mm -hmm. I waited for last to ask about that because that is killer. You were talking to me about that before and how you've been using it for um, a lot of the work that you do. Yeah, like just. Explain it like articulating arm. You use it for all your soldering. I I mean honestly, once once I've got using it, I just use it for everything because it's it's just easier. Even like dip soldering, it seems crazy that you know you can see that fine, but it's just mm -hmm. you can see everything happen under the microscope. I mean, you can just see all the solder flow, how it flows around it, and just you can know you're getting an exact. Like there's no double checking really because you are mm -hmm. double checking doing it. Yeah, you know, so there's no like you see every pin that goes down. You'll know if there's a bridge or or anything. So it's just yeah. There there were times like I still have that stupid little thing that looks like an alien with a you yeah. know, magnifying glass on top and little arms. Um, I still I, I use that for a little, for certain things, but it's hard because sometimes to get the right focus, you have to kind of hold it with one hand. And many many times after I've done soldering something, I'll take my iPhone and just shoot a couple of pictures and have to zoom in on that to make sure that my work was done correctly. Yeah. I'm always happy when it is, but having the microscope would be way yeah, easier. Yeah, before that time. I had little jeweler's glasses, <laughs> little 25x jewels, and you know I'd yeah. be I'm, I'd be there sitting there looking at a board like this, you know, like and it would just that it just saves so much time because you don't have to go back and relook. Yeah, it's just. I think Jason was just telling me that's what he uses one of those like you know like uh, eye eye socket things or just you know look into it. It's kind of funny. He looks like a, a watchman from the twenties when he puts that thing in. Yeah, and it's pretty affordable. I mean, it's not it's not ridiculously you know. Yeah, you got a, a higher end model with like the the swing arm that slides in and out though. So yeah. Can you get cheaper ones that are just like a better? Yeah, but they're not that much. I think still the base is around three hundred. I don't think you can get cheaper than that. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, because there you can kind of, you know, come all the way out or... And this has a camera in it. Um, the camera's kind of a, a crappy one, so it, it, the frame rate's really poor. Mm. But what I use it for is you can you can line up exactly the dimensional... So you can put a board in and actually measure things on the board. Yeah. So if you're doing like a custom QSB, mm -hmm. you can measure exactly how far the points are and where things are, so it makes it a lot easier to... You don't have to design it. You don't have to pull out your um, calipers and, and guess. Print off your, you know, print off your circuit, lay it down. Hopefully, it's right. With yeah. that, you can just know it's. So I at first I just got my first uh, USB microscope a couple of weeks ago, and mm -hmm. it's dirt cheap. I bought it just to see if it's something I would use or not, mm -hmm. um, and I absolutely love it. You know, the one I have has no focus on it, which is dumb because you would think that's like the number one feature. But I've already shown a couple of things where I was working on something. Like I was just doing um, subcarrier pin lifting on Genesis consoles, mm -hmm. you know, to show the jail bar removal. And 
like it was hard to hold it there and like to prop it up, but just the before and afters and seeing with the microscope how the pin is lifted. You know, when you're looking at it with your eyes, you're like, oh, that thing's still touching the pad, but you know, it's. But you look at it with a microscope, and you could take your, um, you know, any of the the like uh, pick tools that I have and slide it right under that. It's not anywhere near anything. It's fine, and mm -hmm. it's. It, I just thought it was such a cool thing for under twenty bucks. Yeah. So if I keep using it, I'll at least upgrade to one with a, uh, you know, a, a focus function. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've really gone down in price what they used to be. Um, yeah. Every everything like that has. So. Yeah. I see you got a twenty L five here. Or uh, fourteen. Or 14L5. Yep. But that's the 480p compatible one. So, mm -hmm. yeah, when you're able to test all outputs when you're doing your GameCube work. Yep, that was, uh, I have, used to have just a 20 inch PPM here. And yeah, it was easier to, I kept having every time I did 480p, I had to push it to a different TV. So here it just makes it simple. So I actually have, mostly everything goes to this um, Extron switch. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll have like, um, B and C connections and all that, so I can put component into that, VGA into that, mm -hmm. and then I have a distribution amplifier that'll push down to here, this duo, um, and the OSSC up there. So I can kind of not have to fiddle with wires every time I'm... Just press a button and take care of it. Correct, yeah. So that's one of the things that I keep going back and forth with, because you know, I'm in a small-ass apartment. My apartment's like the size of your lab here. But <laughs> um, I had an 8-inch BDM for a while that I yeah. thought was the coolest thing for testing. It's the uh, same thing that Kevtris has, where you could just put it right on the shelf, but I had it next to my scope so that you can just do it. But I, I, <clears throat> I thought it was perfect for like color bars and like you know fire up Super Mario World to make sure all red, green, and blue are working. But it for details, for things like picking out uh, some of the interference, I really liked the 14-inch. I think it was big enough so I could see everything. You know, while I would love a 100-inch to stare at, you know, I think it was the perfect medium. So I'm, I'm always going back and forth, like, do I go back and have a little 8-inch on a shelf out of the way, or do I wheel my 14-inch over? But I think that's like the happy medium, perfect size, and you can still game on it. Yeah. I mean, that's what we had as kids, right? How many of us had bigger TVs as kids than a 14-inch for, you know, other than, like, your living room yeah. TV? Yeah, like a 19 living room or, like, a 25 or... Yeah. Yeah, Cousin Scott and I were sitting, you know, your stereotypical four inches away from, you know, for whatever TV we were, we bought at a junk sale that... <laughs> that's definitely how we got started in this stuff. We, you know, we want a TV. We can't afford a TV. All right, let's go to a junk store. The, the knob, we never had to crank it. That's fallen off. So now we got vice grips, like, duct taped <laughs> to the thing so we can change the channels. Whatever you got to do, man. Yeah. Going to play your games. Exactly. So I see you got, um, it looks like the 20M2U Medical Edition PVM. Uh, yeah, I think there. you're exactly right on that. Yeah, because that was, um, they made them in gray and white. Uh, I'll show it afterwards, but he's got a white one down there. Uh, those are awesome. Yeah, I think it's got the dual. It's got the dual RGB inputs for A and B. Yep. Um, yeah, those are great. The, you know, uh, since I started the website, I really only have one or two true regrets, and then I think the number one is that a month after I started the site, somebody had uh, was selling a pallet of those. Oh wow! Brand new in box, never opened. So that's, I guess uh, it was a hospital bought a bunch and never used them. And I emailed the guy, and he basically said, like, you could have all 15 for a couple of grand or something. Brand new. And pallet shipping would have been, you know, it would have been five or 600 bucks. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like, ah, if they have so many to sell, I'll be able to get it at another time. I still kick myself. Every time I see the white medical edition, I'm like, I could have had, everybody I know could have had a brand new 
You know, perfect condition. I feel like if I had a brand new one, I'd never open it. I would just keep it in the box just to know that I have a brand new one that's that's available. (laughs) I know a lot of people that would buy their favorite games, they would buy two. They would open one of them and then they'd have the other on the shelf. And I was never that guy, but I would definitely do that if I found... Like if I found a couple other, like if I found another couple of D32s that were brand new in the box, yeah. like I might sell my car and buy two, <laughs> buy two of those. <laughs> so it's just, it's funny because in this hobby, right, it's, it's kind of like classic cars in that there are no longer any production of any of these things. Yeah. And for certain things, like, you know, if a piece of a board breaks, you can make your own circuit, you could replace the DNC connectors, but you'll never be able to get another tube. Yeah. Just like you'll never be able to get another chassis for a 69 Camaro. Like, that's it. You, you want the original, that there is a finite amount. So yeah. I think people should always jump on that whenever they have the, uh, whenever they have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I see you got the 3D printer. Have you started yeah. using it yet? Um, yeah, I've done a maybe print half that spool. Um, just I do a lot of like um, mountings and little things to help. You know, yeah. I, I don't really. It's it's more just an extra tool. I'm not really trying to become the 3D printer guy. That no, I, I if I got one. Well, first of all, if I got one, it would uh, it would run nonstop for a week, just printing out like two of everything Greg Collins makes, <laughs> all the little <laughs> controller stands and everything. Yeah. But for me, I, I certainly wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable designing anything, and I, I wouldn't try to sell it to make a living off it because it takes so long to print. But I would every tool that I needed, every little thing, all these little amazing brackets people are coming up with. Yep. Uh, I would. I, I mean, it would be nonstop printing out little stuff like that. Yeah, I use it right now. I use it a lot of like jigs for um, drawing out HDMI holes. Mm-hmm. I'll make like a jig that'll. That's a great idea. So it'll mount up to where, like, so, like, these people, for, like, my, my GC Dual installs and things like that, you mm-hmm. can actually print a jig out and then drill holes exactly and then file away, and you don't overshoot the drill holes or anything. It makes it just, there, yeah. there's just no chance of that mess up. And the best part about the 3D printed one is if you, uh, you know, if you mess it up, you crack it, you go too far and hit it, just print another one. Right, so. exactly. Yeah. So. I keep forgetting to ask, you know how much the spools go for? Like, 20 bucks. Wow, that's reasonable. Yeah, and they last, I mean, doing something small, mm-hmm. you go for a long time. So, I mean, a lot of those 3D print designs, uh, have you, I mean, obviously you've used the GC Plug stuff before, but do they take a long time to print your GameCube stuff, or is it do? I've actually never printed a GC Plug on there. Oh, really? Yeah, I've, uh, I've only had those um, professionally made, like, Shapeways. Oh, okay. So, I've never actually tried to print a plug. I, I guess it probably could, but... You would just have to probably sand it down afterwards and make sure that, you know, because as awesome as those are, they're never going to be as good as, you know, the $100,000 plastic press machines and stuff. Well, the ones I think Shapeways, I don't know what the technology is called, but it uses laser and powder. So wherever the laser hits, it Mm -hmm. solidifies so they can get a little bit more exact in a way. You're not relying on your, but you're you're not relying on your level below you or if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So... So other than, uh, you know, in the corner, you got your basic drills, uh, drills, um, screwdrivers, packs of stuff. I mean, do you have any other tools that are like your go-to stuff that you would recommend other people use? Um, probably, I mean, no, everything's pretty much packed right here. I mean, like I said, I got, t- I mean, I've got my, my real tools are all here, like wires, stuff, yeah. like that's kind of, everything in this drawer is kind of like my... Pliers, tweezers, yeah. cutting things. Yeah, I mean, I don't use too many drills too often, um, just because I, I mean, I'm not drilling into consoles on a regular basis. But um, that's just kind of over there. Um, 
But yeah, there's a lot of like BNC connectors over there and just things that, you know, you randomly collect over the course of your time, you know, you yeah, you don't want to throw it away, so you keep it and then it's in a drawer, so you've got screws and... Yeah, that actually is something I keep forgetting to do myself because uh, Steve from HD Retrovision was teaching me about the different kinds of BNC connectors and the qualities of them, so I probably have 50 of the absolute junk crap kind. Mine are probably junk too. And, you know, <laughs> in testing sometimes it's hard because you wiggle a cable and you get signal flickering. But the other thing was that some of the ones that were the just RCA to BNC, the resistance of it is like 10% tolerant. Oh, so if you're, if you're measuring on a scope, you're now you're, you're really messed up. But also if you have a higher end piece of equipment, you know, if you have an old faded BVM, it's still going to look gorgeous, but you're not going to notice a difference. But if you have a calibrated BVM or even the 14L5, mm -hmm. you'll start to notice things on some of these mods where with, you know, higher um, higher tolerance resistors, you can start to notice some weird things. Especially if one, you know, if you're looking for 75 ohms and one of them's at like 64 and the other one's at 82, now you're really going to notice a difference. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can see that. So, definitely want to talk about some of the projects that you've been working on. Because we're all familiar with the GameCube work, all mm -hmm. the open source stuff you put out, which is awesome. Thank you for open sourcing all that. Mm -hmm. But the Wii Duel, I think, is the first thing that I'd love to see in person. Because that's going to... GameCube's huge and a lot of people like it. But I think, at, at least at the moment, an HDMI solution for the Wii is going to be even bigger. Yeah. Even though it's only internal, you can't externally mod it. Because mm -hmm. it's just, it's going to solve so many issues for so many people. Especially if you could do dual RGB and HDMI output. Now you have direct gaming and go right to a capture card. Right. So what, what uh, I see one there, what's the status? This, this is, um kind of the test one, so like a, a test jig to be able to test the boards. Okay. Um, so I've got, this is, hopefully will be the final final design right here. Um, so it'll still lay, you know, lay out how it's always been, but pretty much these allow me to hook up to this board to be able to test the board. Okay. So I'll be able to actually verify each one is, is good, you know. So um, you have it. So you have a Wii motherboard, and it's got your components soldered to it, and that that way you could just uh, use your cable to plug in all the components and test. Mm -hmm. um, what's the installation going to be like? Though? Do you have to solder a bunch of really tiny wires, or um, there'll be no wire. Well, there'll be one wire for the pad. It'll be similar to the to the to the GC dual install, but there'll be the FFC pinout is is 0.5 millimeters for the pins, so it's still kind of like an ultra HDMI install. Because those are 0.5 or 0.5 millimeters as well. That's doable. Um, so it is doable. Um, you know, because they are the solder does flow down easily with right flux on those to where mm -hmm. they don't bridge. Um, so you have to solder that on and then solder the motherboard or the the PCB on top of that. Um, so it's it's definitely not. I don't want to say it's a beginner. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a good temperature controlled iron and you soldered before, it's, yeah. it's doable. Um, I mean, clearly my soldering skills are very lacking, and I could do an Ultra HDMI. Um, and I did it, I did my first one without flux, and it, it worked, and it's still working right now, and it's fine, it's been shipped to a bunch mm -hmm. of my friends. But definitely flux makes it infinitely easier, and it just, it for me, it was just a matter of learning how to, I don't know, that's probably the stupidest word to use, but learning how to massage the solder when it bridges two pins together, mm -hmm. just add a little more flux, just, you know, not too, not too hot, but make sure that you put the, you know, kind of work, 
work it with your soldering gun. Mm -hmm. it, it took a while for me to learn that because the first time I bridged pins, I panic, throw on some flux, throw on some desoldering raid, and you don't always, unless you're an idiot and you put a glob on there, it's yeah. not necessary. Yeah, usually you can just pull it off with the iron, you know, yeah. clean your iron, and you can just pull more off. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's not, but it is, I mean, it is small. Like you almost do need like some type of magnification to be able to in, at least inspect it afterwards. Cause you know, yeah, because, that's my cell phone trick for the ultra HDMI's too. Yeah, yeah. Because you definitely can bridge a pin and not see it with your eye. Absolutely. It, you won't see it. You know, it could bridge really small at the bottom, right at the, right at the pads and you won't notice it. Mm -hmm. And, but you can see it with, you know, with like you said, your phone. Um, and then really it's not too bad otherwise. I mean, the Wii's actually kind of, I don't want to say complicated to take apart, but it's a pain. There's a lot of screws, the screws are different sizes. So, um, I, I could, s there's really actually no good tear down of the Wii that shows you how to put it back together. Right now you got to pay attention to where the screws go. So I'll probably do a, a good tear down. Yeah, that'd um, be great. Because once you do three or four of them, you know exactly where the screws go and how it fits together. Um, but, uh, so have you had any uh, any game compatibility issues with the Wii Dual stuff yet, or is it just working like it was a component cable? Yeah, it's working like a component cable. That's very cool. And I assume, obviously, that uh, the HDMI and RGB output would have to match, so if one's at 240p, the other is. Yeah. But that's still pretty cool, because a lot of the capture cards that I know of now will take 240p HDMI, like the data path and stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's still, even if you want to run it on a PVM, you can still get a great digital capture and then just use your software to scale it. Even Or, even or if you want to capture, yeah, or, or capture vice versa, if you want to capture via RGB and mm -hmm. HDMI, mm -hmm. you know, depends on what your bread and butter is. Yeah, true, true. Um, are there any, uh, I mean, is there any timetable to when you would, well, or first, are you going to be offering installs on this or sell, selling kits? Or just... I'll probably do both like I did before. I don't know how much I'll, I don't want to say installs longer, but it, it does take more time because it's just yeah. taking, apart, taking apart the Wii. Yeah. Um, that's kind of more of the... And you don't want to tell people, well, I mean, maybe you do. Sorry, to, I don't mean to tell you what to do, but I wouldn't want people to just send me board only because how are you going to know the skill of the people putting it back together? Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, if someone's confident, they could send me the board only, but really the Wii's are pretty compact anyway. So, yeah. I mean, maybe if they wanted to not ship the CD-ROM, which is probably the heaviest part. Um, but, you know, honestly, it's not probably going to change price as much. Um, maybe I'll find some people that'll be, you know, licensed installers for that, you know, kind of like the high yeah, NES or something that would, like that. would that would absolutely make sense. Um, I still really know what the total demand's going to be for that. You never know if something will take off or if it'll just, you know, you do 50 units and that's it, you know. Right. I, I don't really know what the... I think the only, the versus GameCube, it's my opinion that the only downside of this is that Anybody with a GameCube can plug in the external solution and, and that's it. Yeah. That's the end of the installation, whereas this requires. But I think uh, I think pre-modded consoles would probably go for quite a bit. Has yeah. anybody that's owned game stores contacted you about this yet? I don't think anybody really knows. Uh, looking at you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> He'll probably have the first one of yours up for sale in the shop anyway. So, but. Um. Yeah, I mean, pre-modern console is an option, and the the new version has the IR and button built into it. Oh, cool! So if you have a if you have a non-GameCube Wii, mm -hmm. you'll be able to use that with that. 
So, uh, could you explain a little bit about how that works and, and what that means? So, for the for the you know on-screen display, you can either use the GameCube remote or use a controller. So, like all the plug-and-play um, GC videos, all use a remote. Um, because there's no in, there's no pad wire connected to that, so you can't use the controller to control the on-screen display. Correct. Now the now the models with GameCube ports like this one, you can plug a GameCube in to port one and then control control the on-screen display, or you could use a remote too. You could use, okay. but you know, but for the newer version Wii's where they pulled the ports off to try and save money, you can use a, a remote on that, to control that. So cool. And uh, I mean, this is another very dumb question, but. Uh, for all of the models of Wii that can play GameCube games, this solution works the same with that as well, right? Right, but it won't work on launch model Wiis. Really? Um, so they they've done a lot of different revisions. The first the first model was a six layer board, um, had a pretty big die mm -hmm. um, on the I think it's with the Hollywood chip. I think is what it uses. Mm -hmm. And um, they went through a couple revisions. And then they went down to a four-layer board and pretty much revised the whole entire layout of the board. Mm -hmm. um, so the flex cable I designed only works on the the later revision. Okay. Only really because the four-layer board's better. It has less heat, more reliable. It's more efficient. Um, has a lower die size um, for the chips. Mm -hmm. So. Maybe I'll make a, a, a version for this for the launch Wii, but as of now, you I know, mean, there's so many Wiis out there. It's it's almost pointless. Just find the ones that are in the right. And, and the ones that I can tell, it's kind of hard to be able to see what version of the Wii is. You actually have to pull the um, battery out, and you can see inside the motherboard. So, which is kind of a pain. But all colored Wiis, so all non-white Wiis that have GameCube, GameCube ports are compatible. All right, so. Any any Wii that's not the original white color that does have GameCube ports would definitely be compatible with this. Would not be compatible. Would not be compatible. So if, if you have a black, blue, or red Wii that has GameCube ports, it's compatible. Okay, it is. Right now, you might have a Wii, a white one with GameCube ports that is compatible, but but, but that's yeah, right. you don't know if that's launched or not. All right, so <laughs> if you want to be safe, if you if you don't own a Wii or if you don't want to deal with taking yours apart or even pulling the battery out. A black, red, or blue Wii that does have GameCube ports was guaranteed to be compatible. Correct. Or if it does not have GameCube ports, okay, will be compatible. I think most people would aim for that though, because that means that they, you could now get GameCube games in HDMI as well. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I would. I would assume that that's what people would do. But you know, controller adapters if you want to do that stuff. So yeah. yeah. Now, um, have you done quality testing yet to see? Because a lot of people on the forums, there's always that debate: is you know, GameCube output better than Wii, uh, which it is, and then how much better, what model Wii, with installing the solution that bypasses essentially the video chip, does it just make them all uniform and better than the... Uh, um, I actually haven't done a side, I actually just got a capture card, so yeah. that was, that's worthy of doing captures, mm -hmm. um, so I'll be able to capture more of that soon and know exactly, you know... How much how much better it is than the other one, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing the results. For some reason, like there's just, and this is obviously personal preference, but I there's a lot of Wii games that I would probably go back and play, um, and I would want to do it in the best quality possible. So yeah. on the Wii U, maybe maybe in 480p without using the Wii U scaler, it would be okay. But I also don't want to wait 10 minutes for a Wii game to load. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
I don't want to, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not that much. To boot into the, the virtual Wii mode takes a long time on the Wii U. Yeah. So just throwing it in and go is a much better option for me. Um, and, and so far, no glitches or compatibility issues for games or anything. So no, it's I mean, really... I mean, literally since the GameCube is so similar to the Wii, mm -hmm. I mean, the same video modes, the same. I mean, it's. I mean, it literally is. A, it's literally just a beefed up GameCube. I mean, so to speak. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Stuck a GameCube, turned it sideways, and uncubed. I mean, yeah, the 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 DAC on this is very similar to the the GameCube DAC on mm -hmm. on the digital. Um, on the, on the component cable. Mm -hmm. They're similar, but this one's a little bit poor, but in terms of specs and how they handle it, they're very similar. Cool. Um, so, Anything else you've been working on lately? I know you have a lar large pile of projects that you're, uh, you're always tinkering with. Um, still doing the Dreamcast. Um, I actually have boards here that I need to assemble and test. This is the newest revision. So you want to explain what that is and whereabouts in the project you are? Um, pretty much we're trying. There's some, uh, me and Christoph are working on it. There's some interfer interference issues. Now, he doesn't get the interference, and I do. So this is a, the uh, Dreamcast HDMI solution. Correct. Right? And this is an internal solution that you solder on the board, and then you uh, you got to cut the port and back to mount it, right? Correct. And he's getting some interference on no, his? No, I am. You he's are. not. Okay. So when we have like the same setup, so we're, you know... We're in different countries, so it's not like I can go over to his house and say, like, hey, let's swap some boards around. So we're trying to figure out, you know, is it, you know, is it data interference or something like that. So this is a, a new four-layer board that he just designed and sent it to me. Um, so we're going to see if that doesn't fix some of these glitches. That's very cool. So that is this the, the output that takes whatever the Dreamcast is outputting and just digitizes it? So 480p is 480p, and there's no upscaling it, in this version? It, it, it does do line doubling. So it'll do so it'll do a 960p, and oh. then it'll also if your TV doesn't support 960p, it'll put a 960p image in a 1080p frame. That is cool. So I'm waiting for those. So you'll have black borders, but you know mm -hmm. it's still. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, has this been? Are you able to adjust the aspect ratio issue? So DTV versus uh, you know 480p. It, should, it outputs correct. So it will. Yeah, uh, that's a you know that's not at all an issue on any four by three display, but obviously on sixteen by nine it would be. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah, totally uh, takes care of that. Man, it's a it, it's funny because for I mean about ten years we had this weird period where trying to do any kind of classic gaming on flat screens was a roll of the dice and really expensive if you wanted to do it right. And mm -hmm. now with stuff like this, you just plug it in. Yeah, like I really, I'm really digging the 960p with borders thing because yeah. there's just, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you've ever put movies through like the open source scan converter or any kind of integer. Scan. I actually have not messed with that. But that would be it's terrible. Yeah, because it's you know it's you're you're not supposed to people aren't supposed to have squares on their face, but Super <laughs> Mario is. Yeah. So like. It's uh, for video games. I can still notice the difference when you're integer scaling on a TV, especially when, especially when going from 480p to 1080p, because you know there's got to be some kind of weird things going on with that. Yeah, and there's there's going to be a weird like when does integer scaling not be appropriate for certain games? You know, True. obviously you get to the new higher def games. Mm -hmm. You know, integer scaling on a PS4 probably is not going to look good. Correct. I yeah. mean, on, on I mean, obviously on a you know 2D platformer that. It's probably gonna look good, but you know. Yeah. So when you get that weird generation of the N64 and Dreamcast, you know, like it's blockier better or it's smoother better. And obviously mm -hmm. Nintendo is trying to put a blur in theirs just to make it 
just to make you forget how crappy the original yeah, image Yeah, exactly. Are. So, and, and I prefer the blockiness on that generation, but you know, the higher you get up, you know, is the better it's going to be. It's, it's too much blocky of an issue when you get, you know. But I mean, that being said, there's still games that um, are, are, are like uh, Shovel Knight. It's like it's still in the resolution of the 3DS. It's just you know, it's uh, re-rendered in higher resolutions when you play it. So yeah, a game like that, it could be on a PS4 Pro. It's still going to look better if you're scaled up. Yeah, than exactly. Else. So it's good that you have options now at least. I guess it's more the 3D games. You know, the agreed. Some of the newer stuff I saw in the the E3 previews looks like almost movie quality yeah, now. Yeah, like Detroit Human, stuff like that. You're yeah. just like, you know, so. Other than Dreamcast, what else you get to... Oh, is there any kind of time frame once you get testing done? I mean, you, obviously there's interference, so uh, if that if that's fixed, I mean, you're going to have that's just assemble boards and do some more uh, test installs? Um, and there's still some more firmware updates, getting the Maple Bus to work um, for the on-screen display for scan lines, things like that. Kind of the kind of the things that people expect in an HDMI solution. You know, you kind of got the standard scan lines, um, video control, and, and things like that. And there's also the thing about being updates, being able to update it easily if we're if it's still actively being because it is an open source project. Right. So anybody could you know develop it. So we need to allow users to be able to update easily. Um, for, for just for anything that you push, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's my opinion on these things where it's the ability to update is uh, and verifying that the hardware is is going to do what you need to do is way more important than launch day features. Mm -hmm. I think if you just had a one to one output uh, in digitized on a board that you know will support on screen display, you definitely will support scan lines and all your features. But just releasing it and then having a way to update it, I think it's a uh, that's more important in the long run because that way you get more testers, you know, more people get what they need. And then we're going to try and do a, a Wi-Fi updating. So you won't actually have to take it apart to update it. You could just pretty much connect it to your, um, you know, connect your phone to it. It'll it'll broadcast down and, and you know an access point. You'll configure it and then it'll connect to your home Wi-Fi and then you can just pull it up on your computer and you know push it a firmware and then then update it. That's pretty crazy. So that is really, and is that something that you guys have even tested yet? Yeah, yeah. that works. That's insane. I love yeah, that shit. That, actually, well, <laughs> see, uh, Christoph wrote that because he, you know, when you're when he's coding firmware, mm -hmm. he doesn't want to spend all this time pulling cable out and taking it apart. It's easier just to, right? Yeah, push it over the Wi-Fi and not have to solder in a JTAG connector. Do, yeah, deal with any of that. Yeah, it's. I don't think there's anything else in the. I'm definitely in the retro gaming scene, but maybe not in the gaming scene at all to this day that's a product released that has that. A homebrew, um, homebrew. There, I mean. There's been talks to, you know, do we do disc updates too? Um, you know, can you burn it onto a, a CDI and then, you know, do it that way, which is talked about, but that's those are features that, you know, mm -hmm. don't really hinder the product from coming out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it, it is a feature that's talked about um, that we've mentioned, but, you know, it's kind of... We could spend all day adding features in and features, and then never get any more of it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, will this disable the analog output of the Dreamcast? Or no, can you do, it'll so, still work. That's awesome. So I'm assuming. So, once so, you, again, so you can do RGB and HDMI. Right. So or, same or, thing. Or VGA. Forty for uh, matching the output resolution. No, it won't match it since it's since it's kind of leeching off the signals, off the digital signals. Oh, but, but so you could take a 240p game and have it still have it output in 1080p on your well, HDMI. Well, four. I think we're gonna. I think he's gonna line triple 240p. So you could do. You could choose 240 double or triple. 
That is cool. So you could do 720p on 240 and have 240 RGB. That is awesome. I like so, that. There are a lot of very cool old school style games on Dreamcast like that. Yeah. That's one of the weird consoles where some of the 480p games look HD to me. They look like a modern game, and then you could just throw in a different disc and you have an old school fighter on there. It's just those arcade ports were so good when they brought those Absolutely, over. yeah. They had a, a good library already ready to go, so. Still like playing Crazy Taxi on it every now and then. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we've been over all of uh, your, you know, your tools and your lab setup. Um, been over uh, some of the projects you've been working on. Any other projects that I forgot to mention or anything? I mean, you, um, you've got your hands on a lot of things, but there's, the ones that are close to release, I guess. There's the 3DO that I just need to sit down and just do it, but there's... I don't want to say that there's just other projects that are more important than that right now. Well, that's fair. So... Um, so the 3DO mod, if I gather this correctly, um, you're removing the encoder and putting a different one in so that it's encoded in 240p and RGB, so you don't have to worry about any of the, the switching or that crazy mod anymore. Correct. So d overall, if there's a pre-built a pre board made, would it be an easier install or it's harder? It's still not necessarily easy. There would be no wires, except okay. for the RGB lines going out to the connector. Mm -hmm. um, but with that in the case, it's only I'm only doing it for my FC10. Um, I know a lot of people have contacted me already, like, "Hey, I have an FC1. Will this work?" I, I don't really know. I haven't. I'm not a 3DO master in that mind that I haven't yeah. seen all the hardware variants. Um, but it, one of the negatives of the way I'm doing it is the DAC I'm using is new old stock. So, which is kind of. We, we we all we all know that well the chips are probably going to work but mm -hmm. will they run out how many are available that and after they run out you're going to probably gonna get chips that were pulled off of another working board and then maybe those chips aren't going to work so it's I hard it's yeah you know yeah so that's one of the negatives um, I don't really know if it's a good viable you know long term solution for the three do right yeah but you know projects like that if you get it in place once everything's working finding a replacement is easier than starting from scratch in in most cases sometimes you get screwed over and you don't yeah. have you can't find any replacement parts but. yeah and i may revisit and change the design up i don't know this DAC may not even work no i, I, I haven't i haven't put it in yet to see i mean on 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 the data sheet and on paper it looks like it'll work mm -hmm. um but you you know how that goes yeah so that's pretty funny i wonder how because aren't some games have a software flag to set 480i and 240p this dac handles that too no shit yeah okay. like it, it it they're they're it's actually a dac from the cdi ah. so it's 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 around the very similar time frame and they mm -hmm. kind of are built on the same technology they actually send um horizontal sync back out they take the clock signal and build horizontal and vertical sync back out and send it back to um the was it Tom and Jerry? Was that the right console? I can't remember if that's the right console or not. I think so. No, it was Tom and Jerry Jaguar. I'm drawing a blank. It's from a shitty console. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, whatever. It sends it back out um, to the console, so it's mm -hmm. kind of a weird. You know, usually you're sending you know you know sync to the DAC mm -hmm. and the RGB lines, you know the digital lines, and it's doing the work. But here it's kind of. Yeah, kind of something funky, and that and that's actually the issue with the main deck is why getting RGB out is the the sync timing is all off. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty cool though. It's gonna be you know the the three D O crowd is one 
probably 1% of the wee crowd, if not less than that, yeah. but it's an excited crowd of people waiting for something like this. So yeah. glad to see that there's still um, plans to work on that at all. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, my, my 3DO is currently apart, it doesn't have a jack in it, so mm -hmm. it is not usable at the moment, so I <laughs> get something going with it, so I, you know. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Did, I, did we forget anything else about uh, the modding stuff? I mean, uh, I'll, I want to take a look at your uh, your collection here in a minute, but while we're here, did we uh, did we forget anything about modding or tools or anything? Um, I actually do maybe have a recommendation for people for Flux. Oh, yeah, definitely. Everybody's worried about Flux, and, you mm -hmm. know, um, I use... Off camera here. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. <laughs> this right here is about, I think, I think I paid about $30 for this. So this will probably last my entire life. And that, that I was just about to ask, do you feel like you're going to use that much flux that you require a gallon jug of it? But, but no, that's um, for 30 bucks is uh, not much more than I paid for just my little, yeah. little tube. And so I have a little small syringe over here, but the thing is, this is like a no clean, mm -hmm. um, I mean by no clean, like so like normal like no clean fluxes, they kind of mean like you got to burn the board off to clean it off. And then once it burns off, mm -hmm. you don't have to clean it. Right. So it, that's kind of the no clean is kind of um, So you could leave it on there and it leaves like that weird sticky film, but it's non-conductive. This it just looks ugly. No, this doesn't really do that. So that doesn't? That's correct. This is more like alcohol based in a way to where it just dries off. Now I still clean the boards um, with, you know, 99% isotropal alcohol, but it's... So this doesn't leave that weird, sticky, almost oxidized look on it? No. Huh. So, so yeah, so you really don't have to really necessarily clean it. Um, That's pretty good. It's the Kester 959T. Now, it's not... It's not like like a paste flux. It's still going to wet better than this. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, but, I, but I have no problem soldering with this. You'll have to reapply it a lot because it'll dry off. Um, you know, it's funny with my, you know, naive, not knowing much about flux a couple of years ago, the first time a friend of mine sent me a board and he didn't clean the flux off. I looked at it and I'm like, did this thing oxidize in the mail? It's only like a, it's a eight days old. How did it, yeah, I didn't realize so like, that it's, Yeah, you know. so like flux like this, it's in a paste, which this flux is really good too, mm -hmm. but this is considered BGA flux. So it's supposed to go into an oven, <coughs> bake off. You know, so if you're just soldering wires, even if you clean it really well, mm -hmm. you may not get it all off. And it may, you know, oxidize and things like that. So, cool. I recommend this for any... Kester 959T. Do they sell it in smaller quantities than a gallon? Well, they actually do, but that's... It's they, expensive, yeah. well, well, what they'll do is a guy will buy a gallon, siphon it off to smaller sections, and sell you it for 20 bucks. So, I mean, at that point, like, you know, why am I buying... Yeah. So, cool. I recommend it. All right, so you got a pretty cool setup here. So far, um, you're the only person that actually has game consoles displayed. Everybody <laughs> usually just has them piled on their desks waiting to, to show how they work. But So these are, are not hooked up at the same time, correct? Right, they're all just kind of um, sitting out. Um, so they're kind of easy to pull out. Now, a lot of them, I won't say don't work, but like the 3DO, um, it's been taken apart, so it looks like it works, but it doesn't. <laughs> um, this GameCube doesn't work. It's just kind of sitting there. Um, 
it's kind of one of those things where I have a lot of mods I need to finish on these. Or it's just kind of a, a personal, I like to personally collect and... You're just displaying them while you're working to do the mods. Right. So here's the, the MVS from AliExpress I need to redo the RGB circuit on. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just the whole whole collection of a lot of stuff. And a lot of the things, a lot of stuff has flashcards. I like flashcards. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I got a PSIO on the PS1 up there, and um, that's a old, that's the B model for the PS3, so that's the backwards compatibility. Awesome. Um, got a Naomi, I just got a arcade unit up there. Um, and a Sega CDX. I love those little things. Mm hmm. Um, cool. What's uh, all the way on the end? Is that the CD module for uh, Turbo Graphics? Yes, that right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that plugs in the back. Of, just makes it massive when you plug it in. It's like a crossbone. Yeah, this thing is a beast. It's so funny because the core graphics is about just the size of this. And now you have the super graphics with all this. All right, guys. That's it for this time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for showing me your lab. Thanks for your dogs. Yeah, uh, this is, this is sneakers. This is where the dog stuff comes from. So. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks right. again, man. I'm sure I'll be back. Yeah, get out of here and stop drinking my beer. <laughs>